0: Yeah, you'd think so, but nope, we're not going live yet. My computer has decided that it does not like anybody, myself included, and therefore is not loading the Block talk radio studio for me to play the theme song. My name is Harry Broadhurst. I am the host of The Reaction here on Powerhouse Radio. My traditional co-host, Tony Acero, had a prior commitment, so I am waiting for my co-host for the evening to call in referring to Jimmy Christopher as soon as he actually gets into the queue. And we will get this show under the show underway for You Find Folks. So in the meantime, while I go get my co-host, we take this brief musical interview. It' been one of yeah it's been one of those nights over here with this computer, I tell you, Man, hi Jimmy C I would how are you doing? I would toss that thing out the window, buy me a new one uh if only I could, i don 't have world fat ass champion money, ladies and gentlemen. the reaction nobody starts now. Has, nobody has world fat ass champion money.
1: With Harry Tony
0: okay, technically speaking, not with Harry Broadhurst and Tony Acero today. As previously mentioned, I am the host of The Raw Reaction. My name is Harry Brotherston and sitting in for Tony this week who had a prior commitment The world fat-ass champion, Jimmy Christopher. What's up, Jimmy C? Harry, thanks as always for having me, Guy. Great to be on.
2: We actually got an extended version of your musical
0: interlude while we waited for you to call into the show. That's such a great song. I I adore that song. I hear they're going to be coming out with new material next year. I know that they're supposed to play Rock on the Range in uh, Columbus in May. Yeah, I uh, definitely read up on that. They are intending to be there at Rock on the Range. I do not have tickets for that yet, but the World Fat Ass Champion finds a way, <laughs> which is code for you're going to see them.
1: I'm hoping that they I go wish. on a uh,
0: on a smaller scale tour, something you know a little bit more localized. But What's anywho, all right, so we're getting a little bit of a late start, so what do you say we get into things here, and let's talk about Raw, shall we? Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: All right. The best part
0: to come out of the Yes Facebook thread, as Peyton Manning just single-handedly cost Denver the game. I didn't even bother watching off. that game. I turned off my TV because I'm going to be distracted if I don't. The best part of tonight's Raw to come out of the Raw thread over on the Yes group, which reminds me that the Yes, Yes, Yes page on Facebook is the official Facebook group of the Raw reaction and the reaction too because we've lost the Raw somewhere along the way apparently. And the best part about it was with in regards to the return of Ho Ho Hogan tonight I was more of a fan of No, No, Noble. Jamie, No, No, Noble boy. I did read that. I got a quick chuckle out of it. Very creative. I believe that was Ron doing, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ron Snyder Jr. Yeah, he's a clever one in there. We got a few clever ones. Shout out to Ron for the comment of the night in the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook groups. Roth right there. And, well, let's talk about the fact that we had yet another almost 20 minute opening segment to lead into our opening contest. Yeah, there's I know there was were- a lot. A lot going on there that I just didn't feel like needed to go on there.
2: All right, go ahead, have at it, feel free. Well, no, yeah,
0: the opening segment, I don't mind Hogan being there, because he's obviously a draw. What little draw he's going to get or what big draw he's going to get. People are going to come out to see Hogan. People are going to tune in to see Hogan, and that's why you put him first and foremost, which is great. But after that, you know, Cena coming out there and doing his little romp around the ring and then, Rollins having to come out and, you know, combat Cena and, you know, promo at each other, I just felt was unnecessary. If they would have just let Hogan come out and, you know, say, you know, ho, 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 Hogan, that's what I'm doing. And I'm not talking about my daughter, let me tell you, brother. And then he would get into something along the lines of maybe he would just announce that he wanted to put Rollins and Cena in the opening match. Just let him get over, put over Hogan as the host put over the idea that he came up with the idea to, you know, make that the opening bout. It's a match people don't mind watching. Um, and I wish they would have just gone with that angle instead of having Cena and Rollins jawjack for an extra 10 minutes. That was completely unnecessary.
2: Do you think the fact that they keep doing these opening segments kind of
0: kills the crowd at the start of the show? Yes and no. You know, I've been to... I was—I've been to two RAWs up at the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland this year, and I don't feel like they—they uh, kill the crowd per se because they're still kind of, you know, it's still early in the show. But that's the time of the night that you want to get the people hot. You want to get them excited. You want to get them watching the show. You want to get them, you know, amped for everything that's about to go on. And is just one of those things where you're pushing this idea that we need to throw people out on the mics and I can understand why they do it. You know, you have to keep the people at home interested from turning the channel to something else such as, you know, Monday night football or what have you. But at the same time, you can't make it last forever because then they're not interested in what you have to say and they have no problem changing the channel. The, the, you need to get to the point, get to it quickly don't make it drag on and on during these promos, and then bang, get to the first match of the night. Keep your fans there happy and at home happy. Yeah, and one of the things that you just mentioned there about getting to that first match, that's something that needs to be pointed out here in the fact that a lot of times you get general positive feedback when Raw immediately opens with a match. Now, the thing is, is okay, granted, 20 minutes into the show and we're to the first match, and we actually got three in in the first hour, which is... Impressive by raw standards, but I know you'll touch on the fact of the quality of the matches in the first hour a little bit later on. The thing about it is, though, is the fact that if you get this kind of action in that first hour, you're more inclined to get people to want to stay in because you're going to have that in-ring action. I said in the Yes thread myself that it felt like an episode of SmackDown with the focus on the in-ring action tonight, and I stand by that statement. Oh no! I absolutely agree with you. There was plenty of in-ring action tonight, which makes me, which made me very happy as a fan who, at the beginning of the show, was saying to myself, "Man, this promo is really unnecessary. Man, this promo is kind of dragging. Man, you know, Seth Rollins and Cena. If you're gonna do it, just do it." And you know, they had to drag it out because they had to jaw jack at each other. We get it. Rollins doesn't like Cena. Cena doesn't like Rollins. We get the idea get on with the show and it's like you said though there was there was a lot of good in ring action tonight and it countered the bad but we will get into that all right we'll touch more on that a little bit later um ideally speaking if they're going to have promos at the start of the show what's the ideal length do you think i think 10 at the most is more than adequate i think that you know you can say what you need to say and get the idea across, whatever you need to get across, within ten minutes. I don't think that's very
2: difficult. Depending English. on the quality of, depending on the quality of the people in regards to their abilities on the microphone,
0: as well as whoever the guest host that happens to be starting the shows off. I say fifteen's about your max. Hogan's not a guy you want going fifteen minutes on the microphone, though, because Hogan gets no. very repetitive. Hogan starts. Stepping all over the people that he's inside of the ring with, it's become a common recurring theme for him. And in addition, as much fun as it is to see Seth and, and Cena in the ring together, it's getting kind of redundant having seen them wrestle three times in the last eight days. Right, and I absolutely agree. It's Like I said before, we got the idea. Rollins doesn't like Cena, Cena doesn't like Rollins. They've got that point across. They don't need to keep hammering at it. They're beating a dead horse there. The fans understand that. The fans know that Cena, Rollins is the bad guy. They hate Rollins. And, you know, some fans hate Cena. And it's just, it just depends on who you ask. But they understand the storyline. And for some reason, the creative team keeps saying, we need to keep putting this out front and make sure that everybody knows that you guys hate each other. And unless, you know, Rollins is going to cash in at Rumble if Cena wins and they're going to run on something from there, I don't see the point of it. I just don't. Not this much, yeah, not at this time. Yeah, and the thing is, is you're going to have Rollins holding the Money in the Bank case, and you're going to have him doing clean jobs still as well. There's something about that still bothers me, too.
1: Yeah. I No, I'm sorry, go the ahead. Money
0: in the Bank is supposed to be the setup for somebody for that next level push. Look at what it did to a guy like Jack, to a Dolph Ziggler. Look at what Money in the Bank did to the career of a guy like Edge. At the mm-hmm. same time, though, Money in the Bank, if not treated properly, can be a jinx for people as well. Look at what it did to Jack Swagger. And, uh, yeah, Damien okay. Sandow, before he found right, his footing I, again. And you're hoping, like I said, I hope that they decide not to bury uh, Rollins with that. It would be a terrible, terrible misuse of the Money in the Bank briefcase. The opportunity... Um, with, and
2: with,
0: with as intelligent as Rollins is allegedly portrayed to be on WWE programming, if he were to cash in the Money in the Bank contract and lose, it would be a massive detriment to his character. Yeah, he seems to be that one-step-ahead guy that's always got a plan, and you know he's very, very weasel-like, he's very intelligent. And you're right, uh, you would think that someone who is that step-ahead would have his cash-in all planned out, the way he would execute it, who he would want to do it on, whether it's Lesnar or Cena or what have you, he would have those options ready character-wise and would execute it perfectly. Exactly. All right, so you're filling in for Tony tonight. Luckily, I have a full, I have a full fridge over here, so the pop options are in full. What am I popping the top on for you? You know what? Let me steal one of his dues. Oh, that ain't right. Let he can he can be shitty with me about it later.
2: Double top power. All yours. Okay,
0: so the first due, um, I've decided to speak a little bit about the final. I think the final chapter in what has been Adam Rose's career as a face. Now, he's got the, he's had the entourage for the longest time, but, you know, for the past few months, as you and I both know, he's been kind of getting a little edgy, especially with the bunny character. And finally, I think he snapped. Uh, He turned on the bunny, attacked him, he threw him to the barricade. You know, he really, really laid into him. And I think this is final—the final wedge we're going to see between he and the bunny. And I'm wondering, and you know, I've said it before a couple times on the show so far, but I'll say it again. I'm wondering if the bunny is going to enter into the rumble and be revealed there. Uh, I've, you know, we've all thrown names around. It could be Gabriel, it could be Zayn, it could be Neville. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing myself that it's going to be Zayn. I don't know. I can't guarantee that. Obviously, nobody can because WWE can decide at the very last minute who it's going to be. But I like this turn for Rose. I like this turn for Adam Rose because I don't think anybody saw it coming the way he was built up before they brought him in to the WWE. When they were calling him up from NXT, you know, he was the party guy. He was the happy guy. He was the guy with the sucker in his mouth. You're a lemon. Don't be a lemon. And that was the whole thing. And everybody was all excited about it. Everyone I talked to was real into the gimmick, real excited, and I want to see how he handles this heel turn. And I think somebody that's gone from being the happy-go-lucky party guy can definitely pull off a good heel if he executes it correctly. And I'm very uh, interested to see where he takes it from here.
2: Um, we briefly talked about this last week here
0: on The Reaction, and I got into it more in depth with the guys at Wrestling to the Max, Sean Garmer. Paul Bryan, Leeser, and Gary Joe Bond when I sat in with them on episode 121 on Friday night. Oh, good, Available. Guys, good guys. Available for download through their iTunes, their Stitcher, and what have you. Also, you can check them out on the Wrestling to the Max Facebook group as well. And one of the things that we talked about was more of a Shades of Grey character with Adam Rose and seeing his inner, more sadistic personality, the one that the NXT fans and the FCW fans to a lesser extent got used to when he was known as Leo Kruger. Now, obviously the main heel getting the mega push, that's the, the foreign heel getting the mega push right now is Rusev. But I think that there's a place for that split personality gimmick for Adam Rose and Leo Kruger in the undercard. Or he could be somebody that you can use to build up these lower level mid card faces to get to a program with Rusev once Rusev breaks into the main event, which I feel is the plan for him. And honestly, it's something that uh I think that they've had the personalities to do is maybe kind of a version of an extended international alliance of like the evil foreign guys, kinda of what they did with the foreign fanatics back in back in the mid nineties towards Survivor Series season. But you can do All a more right. modernized version. So you're talking maybe more like the un-Americans, like with Tess, Christian, and Lance Storm? Uh, yes, but not specifically Canadians. Well, well right. you had Regal. They and were like just them. the un-Americans. I mean, they didn't yeah, call no, themselves these are people... Canadians, they call themselves the un-Americans. Look, this wouldn't be so much people that are anti-America as they are pro their own countries. I mean, Rusev is obviously anti-America, pro-Russia. Kruger's from South Africa. That's legitimate. Right. Uh, Adam Rose, Leo Kruger, Ray LePan—call Le him what you will—he's born in South Africa. Justin Gabriel, born in South Africa. There are you're enough people. On... So what you're saying is that you're, there's a there's a potential for a foreign fanatics group to form. Yes, and especially if they're going to start bringing out this deeper, darker side to Adam Rose's character. I could definitely see him aligning himself with Rusev and Lana starting to see maybe America for what it is rather than the fact that he tried to come in as this happy-go-lucky partying guy and obviously it didn't turn out the way that he wanted to so maybe there's something to say that the American dream isn't for everyone.
2: Okay. The only problem I could see with that And they weren't on Raw tonight,
0: but I think that they're eventually going to go kind of down that road eventually with the New Day as well. In that, they're happy-go-lucky right now, and then when they turn, they're going to turn viciously on somebody. Yeah, I think all the signs right now regarding the New Day point to them turning into a very vicious heel group. And I'm wondering... The only question I have for that, obviously, is whether or not... I mean, obviously, they'll probably wait until their storyline with uh, Golden Stardust is done. And I just wonder if Kofi can pull it off, honestly. You know, he's always been that big face, the high-flying, exciting face that gets the people behind him. I just don't know that Kofi can pull off a heel roll. Yeah, it worries me, too, because we've never seen him do that. And the thing about it is, is even when he was in the developmental and stuff, he was always a babyface down there, too. Uh, usually, before, this would be the part where we would take our first commercial break, but obviously we started a few seconds late, and we got some plugs and some quick hits to get into, so you want to get into those real quick? Yeah, let's do that. All right, just as a quick heads up, because I know I mentioned to you that the hit was going to be about the Ascension. I'm actually changing it since we don't have anywhere else to discuss Piper's Pit, and I think that's more deserving. Okay. All right, so we'll get to to the Ascension here in quick hit. All right, before we do that, though, let's get to some plugs here. The Reaction is a presentation of Powerhouse Radio in association with www.prowrestlingpowerhouse.com. You can also find them on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Powerhouse. In addition, the Reaction is affiliated with the Yes, Yes, Yes group on Facebook as well and our friends in Wrestling to the Max, who I briefly touched on earlier. You can listen to the Reaction live every Monday night at 11.30, or you can listen to us on demand through iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, you know, your basic podcast sources. And actually, they can stream us on the ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com web webpage as well. It's pretty cool. I am Harry Broadhurst. I am the host of The Reaction. I am also the play-by-play voice of Real Action Pro Wrestling, in addition to Jack of Many Trades at Black Diamond Wrestling. And I am also the curator and one of the head moderators of the Yes, Yes, Yes Facebook page. And, Blake, there you go. We mentioned your new nation from you again. Too. That was for you, buddy. Okay. I know Blake listened, so I figured I'd give him a shout. Um, You want to go ahead and touch on a few things here? Any plugs of your own over there, Jimmy? And then as soon as you're done with your plugs, we'll get into quick hits. I am the world fat-ass champion. I am the greatest in the world at being fat-ass, and I accept all of any challengers. That's that's it. We're moving into quickets, even more of them. Let's go. All right. Well, I have to actually find the sound bite. I was hoping you'd take a little bit longer with that. Oh well, I can rant a little bit if you want to. Let me see here. Um, oh, I meant to plug the phone number to call in tonight, and I'm seven six zero eight 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 5749 Call into the raw reaction you guys We'd love to hear from you If you're listening online live Feel free, give us a call We want to hear from the fans We want to know what you guys think It's not just about our opinion Obviously you guys watch the show Pay for their merchandise Support their program and their company We want to know what everybody thinks
2: I am having now there's a time w- of it.
0: Really awkward silence.
2: I'm having a time. Bang of it bang, bang 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 it. bang! Try and stop it. Bang bang!
0: Here I come. Bang! Bang! Oh goodness. Oh goodness. Like I said, I'm having a time of it over here with the soundboard today. Sounds like it's giving you some hell. Yeah. No kidding. All right. So it's time for quick hits, and let's get into them here. Uh we'll do them in order of in order of appearance on the show.
2: Uh question.
0: Yes. I know you have I know you have one of your dues set aside in regards to the timing. Are you gonna touch on um uh Rose and Truth and Swagger and Fandango there? I'll probably just pop through really, really quick about each of them, nothing really in depth.
1: More All right, about well, the timing nothing. in
0: general. All right, well, in that case, we can touch on it here. Uh, Swagger Fandango, um, congratulations, Jack. You officially don't mean crap again. Yeah, I've never seen somebody go from the top to the bottom so fast. And you know what the thing is, is I got the funny feeling that if J.R. was still around, Swagger would still be getting, like, a super push. Because it's pretty common knowledge that Swagger was one of Ross's big hires in regards to the fact that he is a former NCAA heavyweight wrestling champion. Yeah, he was a big amateur wrestler back in the day. Uh, h- hired by Ross, like you said. Um, the thing about it is, I just don't think. I think the learning curve. Just, I don't. I don't want to say it, he didn't reach a level that he was expected to. But I will. There's a, a level has been a colossal disappointment. Wow. I just think that there, there's such a big difference between collegiate scholastic wrestling and obviously the entertainment business. There's more to it than just getting in the ring and throwing each other around and putting on a show. You have to be able to talk, you have to be able to create a character, and it's just something Jack was never able to do. Yeah, and that's the biggest disappointment of it all in regards to him is the fact that he has all of the skills inside of the ring. We've seen extended-length matches from Swagger that have been really, really good. I mean, I go back to his heavyweight title defense against Rey Mysterio back when he cashed in his Money in the Bank contract. Swagger can go. It's just Swagger has never had a a personality that has allowed him to be anything other than a mid-carder. Yeah, it's been really rough for him. His personality just never developed. Um, he's one of those guys that, like I said, he, he's got the size, he's got the momentum. He can move in that ring. He's got great positioning, in my opinion. You know, he's always got great chemistry with whoever he works with. It's just that once the match is done, everybody goes, "Okay, so why should we care anymore?" The match is he over. Exactly. You're not. And it's. He gives you nothing to remember his by. Right, that's always been his mo. He he gets in there, he you know he he's this big 6'8", 2, 275. He's a big dude. He's a big boy, and he moves like he's you know two hundred ten pounds. The guy can move really well. It's always just been that after the match is over, or you know even during the match, you know he gets on momentum, but he never you know looks to the crowd. He never had a thing where he could get them behind him. Now he's got the We the People gimmick, but it's almost like it's five years too late to even matter. I think most of his heat in regards to that We the People gimmick was tied up into Zeb Coulter, and the fact that Coulter's not around anymore is kind of hurting his momentum, what little he did have. Yeah, well, when you lose your mouthpiece, it is incredibly hard to bounce back, especially when you don't have any character of your own. Exactly. Alright, we move on here with Brie and Natalia in basically the build towards Natalia as the number one contender towards the Divas title continues.
2: Um, I asked this briefly on the reaction last week and I talked to the
0: guys on W2M about it, so I'll ask you in full here. Um, your thoughts on Natty being the number one contender?
2: i <sighs> ask the question again.
0: I want to make sure I word my answer correctly here. What are your thoughts on Natalia being the number one contender to the Divas title? It is three years too late to matter. Quite honestly. She's kinda like she kinda reminds me of Swagger. You know, she has all of this potential, she had all of this, but then she you know, she was down in NXT for a while and then she bounced around and then she got on the reality show. But then she's able to go, Hey, I'm you know I'm royalty here in the WWE, and people go, well, why aren't you any good then? Why don't you have anything to show for it? And it's depressing. It really is, because she is very, very, very talented. She's incredibly talented, almost as talented as a lot of the men. It's just that when it came right down to it, she was never interesting. She never had anything going for her. After you know Tyson got hurt and uh, Smith left, there was nothing for her. There wasn't any real diva competition that was legitimate. And she just kind of bounced around in the stupid gimmicks like being Collie's girlfriend type deal. And it just never worked for her. And I'm just, I mean, right now, if she can make it work and it can be more than, look at what I do on Total Divas and now cheer for me because I'm on Raw. If she could make something more than that happen, If she can make people interested in something that she's doing and not what Tyson's doing or not what Nikki and Tyson are doing and do the whole jealous wife gimmick, which I hate, I think that maybe there's something there for her. But right now, I just do not see it in the least bit. My biggest problem with this is the fact that they're already doing a kind of similar storyline in regards to jealous rela- jealousy and relationships with Naomi and Jimmy Uso, and the problem with that is going to be is the fact that with the personalities involved in the other in the other feud with Miz being involved with Jimmy Uso and Jay Uso being involved, and with Damien Mizdow being involved by proxy in this feud. Their personalities completely overshadowed or overshadow Tyson Kidd and Natalia's personalities. So if anything, the people that you're going to be talking about in regards to these kind of storylines are going to be Ms., Jimmy, Jay, Ms. Dow, and Naomi. And once again, yeah. Tyson and Natalia become forgotten about. Right. It's and it's it goes back to something else you mentioned last week on the reaction as far as the lack of creativity. You look at it and you go, why are there two different sets of the same storyline going on at the same time? And it comes well, down to, well, which one's going to be more interesting, the one with Miz or the one with TJ and Natty? And you're right, it's coming down to the Miz having much more personality and much more ability to garner attention than, you know, TJ does. So, Yeah, Tyson's an incredible worker. Tyson's an incredible worker, but he's charisma deficient most of the time. He's just now starting to develop a character. Agreed. All right. Continuing on here, um, the Matadors and El Torito, El Reno, I think they called him, against Goldust and Stardust. I think more than I don't care. To yeah, to that point in the show, that was probably the match of the night, honestly. There was the most work being done. There was the most, you know, work being put into it. Um, It actually, it wasn't really... mm -hmm. On behalf of Seth and Cena, I'm insulted for them. Why? I actually thought the opening match wasn't bad. I mean, very formula-based, but still not bad. If it wasn't obvious that Cena was either bored, tired, or just didn't care for that match, then I would agree with you. But Rollins carried the shit out of that match, Harry. Uh, Did you see the double clothesline spot where Cena fell to his ass and called that a bump and then went, oh, oh, I'm so tired after not, you know, taking the clothesline properly. Oh, let me sell really quick because I haven't sold the rest of the match so far. Oh, it, it's so hard. And then he's going to sell taking a punch from the from Mercury. But he's not going to sell half of the other stuff that Rollins does to him, like mud hole stomping him on the ropes or, you know, giving him uh, whatever move it was. I can't remember exactly what happened. Cena did not sell at all for Rollins tonight, and it drove me crazy. If you're going to try to make yourself look strong, that's one thing. But you cannot shit on somebody else's work like that because that is what makes everybody else mad at you all the time and I was not happy with him tonight. Very well. All right. Um then let's go ahead and get back to your thought process on the matadors and Dust Brothers matchup then. I mean, it was it wasn't bad by any means in my opinion. I thought it was very energetic compared to all the matches before it. I thought it got a lot more time than the matches before it. Uh, It was fun to watch, uh, you know, three-on-two, and Torito or Dero or whatever you were calling him, he got in on it, and, you know, he did, yeah, and he ended up getting the pin. So, I mean, it was fun for people to watch for a holiday match, you know, it didn't have to be anything special, but they still did some work. They still worked in the match. They didn't just, you know, write it off and go, oh, you know, whatever, it's just a holiday show. They actually went out and they did something. And, you know, there were two other matches that did that too that I can't wait to touch on later. But we will continue uh, on our current topic.
2: Here's here's
0: my problem with the way this match went down, though, and that having the, well, let's call them what it is here, having the little guy pick up the win over Goldust, doesn't that kind of hurt the credibility
2: of Goldust?
0: Not necessarily. Well, I, just had, too much into it. I mean, I think you're looking a little bit into it more than you have to i mean think about it it was a three-on-two match regardless of how you look at it Torito has been shown as a very talented wrestler he can do just about anything else anybody else can do and he goes out there and he does what he's supposed to do it because it did become a three-on-two match logically anybody should think that in a three-on-two match the team of three should beat the team of two and they did all right. I guess I can kind of see your logic there, even if I don't necessarily entirely agree with. You, you don't know. I don't. Right. I agree with you that it stinks that Goldust took the pin in that situation, but at the same time, it's not like he took a pin to like Eva Marie. He took a pin to Torito. Much different situation. So not to mention, Torito has some semblance of being a credible worker, especially to people that have that have known his work outside of the WWE. We
2: continue Absolutely. on with your thoughts we continue on with your thoughts on the coming I mean, debut of the Ascension.
0: Oh, man. I mean, I know you mentioned it before that you're not excited that they're going to be on the last show of the year, but I I tend to disagree with that. Um, I think there are a lot of other times that you can bring in a team and or bring up anyone for that matter and it be a very, very bad thing for their career if, you know, if they do it right next Monday, which is supposed to be their debut, if I understood that correctly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Next Monday, I mean, if they do it correctly, if they have a nice, solid match against whoever they're working with, which I'm sure will, you know, either be Slater Gator or, you know, the, who knows, maybe it'll be the Matadors, somebody where they're going to go in there and they're going to beat them up as long as it looks decent, as long as they get over the fact of whatever they're trying to do, whether it's this Road Warrior Powers the Pain gimmick, I mean, they just seem like they want to come in and hurt people, which is what their gimmick was in NXT. They're coming in, they're going to hurt people, they're going to, you know, win, and they're going to leave. And I'm, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm a big advocate for tag team wrestling, a big fan of tag team wrestling, and these guys have impressed me at the NXT level, and I'm certain that they are ready to be called up or else, you know, Triple H would not have suggested them. And, you know, I'm just, like I said, I think it's, I don't think the timing is bad at all. You know, the tag team division is growing a little stale, seeing how the champions are basically doing their own gimmick where they're fighting singularly, Miz in particular against Jimmy Uso, doing the whole thing with Naomi. So why not bring up a new tag team to spark the division? I think it's excellent timing. do you think that the Ascension are going to be the ones that end the reign of Miz and Oh, That's very hard to call before they even debut. I would say no because I imagine that they would drop the straps to the Usos and then maybe have the Usos take on the Ascension and let them have a storyline. But I'm also, like I say, because I'm, I'm certain that a lot of people are begging to see Miz versus Miz now at Mania, so I'm assuming they're going to drop the straps and start a storyline to lead to Mania, and that would lead, you know, the Usos maybe to face the Ascension at Mania or on the pre-show for Mania for the tag team championships. But I think that's, you know, I think it's a great match. I think it's a great matchup. I think the Ascension and the Usos mix, or will mix, very well, and I'm excited to see what they can do when they eventually meet each other. In regards to your comment about Triple H not calling them up unless he thought they were ready, I think that there are a lot of people that would actually argue that statement in regards to the fact that both of the members of the Ascension, Rick Victor and Conor O'Brien, are both in their mid-30s. So it's kind of now or never for these two. The youngest member of the Ascension is the guy that was released from the WWE, and that was Kenneth Cameron, who is now known as Bram in TNA or better known to WWE fans perhaps is Mr. Charlotte Flair. Right. And okay, we continue on here with the sixth Diva tag match. Obviously this was just your Diva fluff Christmas piece here, but what the hell was up with that finish Alicia Fox used? I wasn't against it. Um if I'm not mistaken, Naomi used the same thing or something very similar about a month and a half ago to finish a match survivor series survivor series it was, it was survivor series yeah i, I it was don't uh, either of them using it uh, Naomi's was like a head scissors power driver whereas Alicia's was more of like a leg a leg used d d t like a DDT using the leg Naomi's had a lot more snap on it, but in fairness, Naomi's also a better worker than Alicia is as well. So. Yeah, and Alicia's got longer legs, so it would look more awkward for Alicia to do it than Naomi, but I didn't mind the finisher. I thought, you know, obviously they have to do something a little different, or more exciting, and, you know, to do it, a move like that, it doesn't scream, you know, bad. I don't think it was bad in any any way in my opinion but I just eh. at the same time at the whole match in general because I mean it got a lot of time which it didn't really need and it's just it's a glorified commercial we all know it and I'll I'll say it I don't care hate me Um, it's it's a glorified commercial for their reality show it's it's Mm -hmm. not necessary it's boring and it puts over the faces, so it's just a commercial. Who cares? Restroom time. Honestly, yeah, the two main accomplishments in regards to this particular match here were to make sure that they plug Total Divas starting back up again in January, and as well as to throw out some eye candy for the fans in attendance and those watching at home that like the eye candy aspect in regards to the Divas. None of the right. ring work in no. this match was going to set the world on fire. It was nothing anybody was going to remember in a week in a, in a week, anyways. It was just a way to give the fans in, in attendance at the arena, as well as those of us watching at home, a little bit of eye candy in regards to the girls. Um, it's, and it's a shame because the there list. are some good workers in that match. I think Naomi is a agree. very talented up-and-coming worker. Obviously, Emma and Paige have proven that they're terrific workers. And then you put them in this six woman match and it's just like you're squandering their talents on purpose to put over a reality show well the thing is, is as you said though it's a reality show that all six of these women are involved with which is why it's happening and I was questioning yeah, I as to why there was no Layla since she's Summer Rae's traditional tag team partner and then I realized that this was your Total Divas commercial match and Layla's not involved in that show anywho last thing on the quick hits agenda here Miz and Jey Uso I thought it was a really good match for as little time as I felt they got. You know, it only went on about five to six minutes, uh, but it was still entertaining. Ms. was doing his stuff on the outside, but he wasn't really as distracting as he normally was, as he's normally been, rather. Um, I thought yeah, that I they're. They in- kind of kept, kept the focus of the camera off of him. Yeah. It was very interesting, and I noticed that, and I kept saying. Man, I wonder what Mizdow's gonna do, man. I wonder what Mizdow's gonna do. Are they saving it for the finish of the match and he's gonna do something nutty? And he really didn't do anything. He didn't make he didn't do anything to make you say, Man, you know, that's the Mizdow I know. And I don't think that's a bad thing. He doesn't have to go out there and do something stupid every week to make people enjoy him. People enjoy him now. Why should he continue going over the top with things on a regular Raw or a holiday go home show? Uh obviously Jay and Miz uh, Jay Uso and Miz had a very solid match. I was very impressed with it. Uh, their their finish uh, was very run-of-the-mill, but it was, it was so exciting. Worthy. What's that? Their finish was very sensor-worthy?
2: Yeah. It was easy. Well, I don't know if you caught it
0: or not. They had the black screen The finish. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I think he accidentally cut to the pulled alternative- his pants up. Yeah, they cut to the alternative camera angle right as Miz was pulling the trunks and exposed a part of Jey Uso that the fans at home don't need to be seeing. We call it the Rick well, spot. "Maybe he should, maybe he should tie his shorts." Then is that Miz fault for playing to the character and grabbing the tights? Not Miz Miz. I'm sorry, Miz. You're right. So you no, I mean I'm, I agree. You, you know what I'm getting at. I think it was. I think it was kind of intentional in regards to the way that they did it, and then doing the censoring and stuff there. I think that was all part of part of the overarching angle of the match itself. Um, we actually have a caller right now.
2: That's awesome. And I'm
0: going to go ahead, and I'm actually going to go ahead and let him take the second do here, because it's the man who the do's were intended for. uh Oh.
1: Hey, Hello. how's the office
0: party coming along?
1: office i work for a bar <laughs> i'm actually about the an office right party now. true very true so what's up fellas <laughs> talking about some raw?
2: what the hell was my dude anyway
0: you got Reigns and show for some unknown reason
1: oh yeah uh because uh the the uh the idea of rains has been um on my mind for a while now um Hello, listeners, by the way. Have a Merry Christmas. Same to Harry and uh, the fat-ass champion here. Um, Hello. What I wanted to to talk about with regards to Reigns and Big Show is that it seems like some of the Internet's uh, attitude has gotten into the live crowd, at least this one. Um, Where the hell were they? Because they were active in the most random of spots, Um, namely this one. (laughs) Uh, Roman Reigns versus the Big Show. Now, this has been lauded for about a week or so about um, Reigns doing something big. He's back, and they want to put him in a spot where he's the next Cena and whatnot. Um, I wonder how we would feel if we didn't know that. Uh, And this match kind of made me think about that with regards to the crowd chanting, boring, before anything boring even happened. To the credit of Big Show and Reigns, in my opinion, the match was like stage three, of what could have been a very boring match. Like, they realized that we can't be doing chin locks and slow methodical movements. We just got to go get to the point. And I think that they did. Um, There was really no pause, no break. There was a small one, but that was about it. By and large, this match was um, action-packed from beginning to end. And the only thing that I could really, truly complain about is the fact that they're protecting the big show um, with a count-out victory for someone that they claim to want to give uh, the John Cena push, too. But that's minimal. Um, so I guess the reason why I bring it up is, um, did you guys at all think it was boring, or do you think it was just an overzealous crowd?
0: We've talked um, before on the show, Tony. We've talked before on the show about the fact that there are crowds that like to get themselves over despite the show. Right. And obviously, there are some crowds that can get away with that. The, po- the show after WrestleMania crowd, you've come to expect that from this was not one of those crowds, and this should not have been one of those matches. I think that there is enough of a traditional fan base in Roman Reigns that you need to give him a chance to show what he can do before you try to turn on him like they have on Cena already. And not giving them an opportunity to do anything before the boring chant came out and the the Daniel Bryan chant, I don't know if you caught that as well.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it just seems uh, like
0: they were going. It just seemed like they were going above and beyond in order to try to get themselves over, despite the match that was going on inside of the
1: ring. Which which brings me to that question of how we would feel about Roman Reigns had we the IWC as a collective unit not known that according to rumors and speculation that Roman Reigns is the next John Cena. Um, I've written columns and I've talked about rumors in general re- with regards to wrestling, and the reality of the situation is. I'd say about 70 to 80% of what we put on 411mania.com is either something that you could already guess yourself um, or it's just going to come true. But it's really not a big stretch to call it out. So it's not something that's mind-blowing where you're like, what the fuck? Uh, Roman Reigns is going to get a push. He has the look. He's, you know, the Rock's cousin. He's got the pedigree. He's got everything you need, and he's working on Mike's skills, which can be improved. So it's not hard to gather that he is the next big thing. But – are you, is he really getting the Cena push? He's been gone for how many months? And when he came back, he's not beating anybody that, that, that shouldn't be beaten. In fact, I'm sitting here arguing that he should have won. He should have beat the Big Show. Um, so where exactly are the, the, if you want to call them haters of Roman Reign? where are they getting their hatred from other than the ideology of whatever WWE puts in front of me, I will not like.
0: Do you want to
1: go on and take this one, Jimmy?
0: Hey, he pretty much hit it on the head. That once again, you know, I, I hate him to death, but he, he gets it right every time. It's just the it's the smart marks. It's the super fans. It's the guys that think that they, you know, should know and do know more than they should. It's the crybabies. It's the whiners. It's the guys that go watch, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling and then talk about how much better they are than everybody else. It's... <laughs> Bang, Wyatt, you bastard. (laughs) Um, Don't care. Hate me. Um, But it's just, it gets to the point where people are more interested about reading spoilers on the internet than they are uh, watching the shows. Oh, am I going to be interested in watching this? I better read about it on the internet so I can make that decision now. Why bother? Just watch the show. Put it on your DVR. If you don't like it, you can press the stop button or change the channel. That's it. You don't have to be this super fan, smart market that needs to know everything before it happens. Just enjoy the product. That's why it's there. It's entertainment. And, and so what if it doesn't play to your demographic? Guess what? It's not supposed to. It's supposed to play to the next generation and the people that have been there and appreciate it the longest.
1: Yeah, I'm and done. moreover, like, <laughs> you know, I had a I had ordered pizza tonight for my siblings. I was at my parents' house, and, um, I ordered one with, I guess Pizza Hut has this new thing where you could put whatever toppings you want, but not toppings like pepperoni and stuff, but like a type of sauce. So I put this balsamic uh, mix on it. It looks like chocolate. So my sister, who's two years younger than I am, came over, and she's like, what is this? So I jokingly said, it's chocolate chicken pizza. And she looked at the pizza, and without even trying it, she gave the most disgusting face and threw the pizza down and said, I'm not eating this. Now, of course, once again, Tony's talking about something that has absolutely no relation to wrestling, but I'm going to tie this in. She didn't even take a bite, okay, at all. Nor did the fans of this Roman Reigns versus Big Show match. They didn't even give it a taste. They just saw something that they knew they weren't supposed to like, according to some unknown source, and just hated on it. They they essentially threw the pizza in Roman Reigns' face without even giving him a chance to say, hey, this is actually pretty fucking good. Try it out. If you don't like it, by all means don't eat it, but give it a fucking chance. And I just saw that tonight, and this is something, this is probably the first thing that I'm going to write about at the beginning of the year. Where did this disdain for Roman Reign come from, A, and why? And uh, it just I saw that encapsulated with the match tonight with Big Show, and that was one of the things that I really wanted to talk about before I went and got inebriated for no apparent reason.
0: All right, two things to touch on there. One, that's just the inner thugster coming out in her. Yeah, that's the thug <laughs> I was going to mention that too. <laughs> yeah, he's a thug. Yeah. yeah, Fuck you too, George. Anyways, uh, <laughs> two. Yeah. yeah, you guys, you guys are dead on here, and I think that we're all jumping the gun on this Roman Reigns thing because honestly, we're going to have to wait until the Rumble until we find out if this super push for Roman Reigns is actually going to happen.
2: I made my prediction known. I made
0: it known. I made my prediction known a couple weeks ago that I think Daniel Bryan is returning and winning the Rumble. They've been teasing more and more activity for Bryan recently. If Reigns wins the Rumble, then maybe there might be a reason to start to worry about the fact that the Superman push may indeed be happening. But let's not put the cart before the horse and turn on the guy before he gives us a reason to turn on him.
1: Well, and, and moreover, he's not John Cena. This is what you all, including myself, have been asking for. This is someone that will essentially grow with you. As a fan, this guy is going to be the person that you grow with. You know, we are in an age, an age group where we grew, if you will, in two stages. We grew with Hulk Hogan, you know, to an extent, whether it was, you know, um, looking back in hindsight. Yeah, but, well, yeah, well, I grew, you know, physically. Um, But (laughs) um, our (laughs) man for the last 10 years has been a man we simply don't want. Roman Reigns, I, I look at him and I see something organic in him. I see something natural. I mean, this guy, yeah, he's larger than life, but he's not so large that we can't attach ourselves to him. John Cena, I see no relation in him. I think he's cheesy. I think he's retarded. I think if I had dinner with him, I would make fun of him numerous times without him knowing. Um, I don't think that he's great. I mean, the, Roman Reigns is a person that, with very little and very minimal character um, growth, there's still some semblance of a relation to him, at least for me personally. and It has nothing to do with race, gender. It's just like, hey, man, that guy's cool. He he seems excited and invigorated. He doesn't slouch like someone who takes a double clothesline and falls on his ass. He, He sells, you know, and he's still trying to grow, and he still will grow. So we can't complain, just like Harry said, at least not for another few years. And if he does win the Royal Rumble, watch that crowd explode. Watch how many people actually are okay with it versus the millions of booms that Batista got.
0: <laughs> I think a lot of it will depend on who he's in the Rumble with when he wins if it. If it's a guy like Brian that he eliminates, I think that crowd turns on him just like they did on Batista. Yeah. I'm, I'm well, glad I'm not the only one that noticed Cena to... clothesline himself to his ass. <laughs> <laughs> you're so going glad to I did. I'm not the only one. You're going to have to protect Roman to an extent, and of course, by that I of mean you're going you. to have to probably keep Brian away from him, especially
1: if this is the plan for Mania with Reigns and Lesnar. I think they will keep them apart, and I just you know this was a, uh, it wasn't even it was a minor spot in the show, and that's another thing that you have to realize—not you guys, but people in general. Reigns is not getting that push yet. Maybe there's talks about it. Maybe there's little moments of it. He's not getting it. He was on the middle of the show in a match with the big show that lasted all of five minutes, and then you never heard about him. Guess who was in the main event? Your fan favorite. So shut the fuck up.
0: That a boy, Tony. Get him. Screw it. We're doing shoot, shoot promos for the rest of the show. <laughs> oh, God. Shoot promos. Wyatt, you're first. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? Jesus. Anyways. Nope. All right, Tony. You go get intoxicated, and I'll see you next week, buddy.
1: Will do. You guys have a good rest of the show. Um, to the readers and the listeners, do not forget to go to the yes, yes, yes page and vote for your moment of the year. Thank you, everyone who voted for my beloved, beautiful woman AJ. She kicked Paige's ass. Actually, it was a pretty. She good won event, by three was...
0: votes. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and I have some decorum, please? <laughs> Closest vote. Uh, really? I'm honestly. I'm having
0: soundboard issues over here, and you're calling for sound bites. Son of a bitch. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just keep voting. We're, well, we're enjoying it the, is the you hell You or, out or of me, buddy. As mods, we're enjoying the hell out of it, even even though we knew what we were getting into with the, you know, oh, how come you didn't include this person, that person, or whatever. I will tell you why, because this is not a democracy. This is a dictatorship, and I am the dick. So there we go. Wow. All
0: right, Tony, Merry Christmas, buddy. Same to you and the rest of the we family too. as well, and I'll, I'll talk to you next Monday, sir.
2: is bitches. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can I have some decorum play? God,
0: do you know how excited I'm going to be when he comes back at the Rumble and how depressed I'm going to be if he doesn't? Uh, I think he comes back at the Rumble. I think the question is going to be who does he feud with coming out of the Rumble. Um, and I am very interested to see him and Ziegler for the Intercontinental title.
2: You know what I would actually be interested in? What's
0: we'll that? Barrett, Sheamus, and let's reverse the roles here. Barrett is a baby. Sheamus is a heel. Yeah, there's another guy that's bound to come back pretty soon from that injury of his, huh? That shoulder injury should be about ready to go come Rumble time. I mean, it would be the second year in a row he's returned at the Rumble, so it's not exactly like it would be a surprise. Uh, we have one of our normal callers calling in as well right now, so I'm going to go ahead and give him a few moments here. Assuming my soundboard decides to work, still, as I said, I'm having a hell of a time this evening. Hey, John, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Welcome into the reaction, buddy. What you got for us?
2: I just want to say, first off, man, happy holidays. How y'all doing? I'm doing nope. good. Same to you and yours. Yeah, I got y'all. I got you on speakerphone. Don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, so what you got for us tonight, sir? But anyway, three great matches I'd like to talk about. Cena versus Rollins. I think that was okay, but I'm tired of seeing them fight over and over and over again. I mean, we've already seen them fight, but over and over and over again. Let's not see them fight anymore this week, next week. Boy! (laughs) And Ziggler versus...
0: Before you continue here, we were pointing out here, this is the third time in eight days that these guys have wrestled. Maybe give them a little bit of a break away from each other
2: in order to restore the magic a bit. But, all right, go ahead, continue. Ziggler versus Harper for the Intercontinental title? That was a pretty good match.
0: We're actually going to be touching on that match next, so we'll give our thoughts here in a few seconds. But, yeah, um... I really liked the way that it was handled and the way that it was booked, especially with the pre-match attack by Harper because it was a fantastic callback towards the original title change when Harper beat Ziggler for the belt the night, before, the Monday before Survivor Series.
2: And the last one had to definitely be the street fight, Wyatt versus Ambrose. Well, what were your thoughts there? Sorry about that. <laughs> No, I'm no. saying, what were your thoughts on the match? What were my thoughts on the match? Uh, yeah. It was a lot better than TLC. I, I was kind of okay with Ambrose not using that TV monitor. He said, you know what? I'm not going to use that TV monitor because it may explode on me again. Who knows? Yeah, I- <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I got a little bit of a chuckle out of that television monitor being inside of the box and Ambrose looking at it like, yeah, I learned my lesson from the last time, thanks. Yeah. And now, before I go, with next week's Rosh being in uh, our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., the debut is supposed to be the Ascension. What do you think we may see from these guys? Uh,
0: well, Jimmy hit this pretty much on the head earlier. Uh, You got to expect that they're going to be brought up the same way that they were treated in NXTs. The two guys that take no name, that take no prisoners, come in, kick ass, cash a check, hit the fallen man, and done with it, back in the locker room. Yep.
2: All right. No nonsense beatdowns.
0: Basically, no nonsense beatdowns like we used to see from guys like the people that they're being compared to right now,
2: Demolition and the Legion of Doom, the Road Warriors. All right, well, thank you guys for letting me have a moment, and uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Same to you, John. You have Christmas, a good night. John, have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. All right, so he brought it up, so let's actually get into it. Hey, Jimmy, let's talk about Raw. Let's talk
0: about Raw. Well, that's why we're here. And specifically, let's talk about... Views. Let's just do shoot promos, <laughs> Screw it! Let's Tony talk about here. Here. Throw, the, throw the script out the window. Let's do it. Let's talk about Dolph Ziggler and Luke Harper. What a great match that was tonight! That was the match of the night, bar night. I agree, and I I love Ambrose and Wyatt, but man, uh, Ziggler and Harper came to work tonight. They came to put it in. Uh, they came to put the work in, and they did it. I could not. I couldn't have been happier. Uh, I'll get into why it made me so happy a little later in the second do, But it was just, it was that life that the show needed. It was that excitement. And those guys came in and, and like you said, right from the beginning with the attack from Harper onto Ziggler, they just got to it. They were going, they were going, they were going. There wasn't much of a slowdown at all, which it never really is with those two. Um, and it was very enjoyable, very exciting. I was happy to see that those guys uh, came to do what they do best, and it was a fantastic match. Can't really add anything to that. As I said, ever since from the start out, from the start of the match with the callback towards the raw right before Survivor Series when Harper originally won the title, to this time Ziggler actually overcoming the odds of being put at that pre-match disadvantage, there, the story that they told was perfect. It is a perfect win for Dolph Ziggler, and the, the reestablishment of the Intercontinental title as well. Because one of the things that we've always talked about here on The Reaction is the fact that the secondary titles need to mean more. And if there are two people right now that are busting their asses to make a secondary title mean more, it is Dolph Ziggler, it is Luke Harper, and there's that Intercontinental title, and credit goes to both of them for that exact reason. 100% agree with you, Harry. Could not add more to that. All right. On that note, we move into Harry's hit. Here comes the...
2: Here comes the... Here comes up. Here comes the... Here comes up. Here comes
0: up. Here comes up. Y'all don't really like So I got to tell you, every time I hear the soundbite for my hit, it makes me want to watch The Longest Yard. That was a fun movie. I liked the original and the remake, but that was a fun movie regardless. Yeah, it just the concept of it was just so much enjo- so enjoyable to watch here. It's a bunch of prisoners who are being mistreated by the guards that are allegedly there to protect them and serve them in order to keep them in safe custody while they're inside of the pen for whatever it is they are and the guards decide to abuse their privilege so the prisoners strike back in the form of a, uh, a football game it really is one of those movies that goes underrated and it will always be underrated because it's not you know gone with the wind it's not one of those blockbuster destroyer of the box office but it is a fantastic movie to just sit down and be able to enjoy it it really is one of those karma is a bitch movies and you get to learn that by watching that movie,
2: exactly, and it
0: has those intense moments as well that you wouldn't expect from a movie of its style. I won't go into specifics here because of the verbiage that is used in this particular scene, but the scene with Austin and Nellie inside of the library in the prison is one oh, of the dear. more gripping scenes that I've seen in any film. Yeah, no, you're you are not wrong, and I will not go into detail upon that either because I am a man of virtue, but uh. Yeah. That, whew, that scene that scene's not fun to watch. But you got to. You gotta watch it. You gotta appreciate its value. It gets real uncomfortable real quick.
2: All right. Oh, so anyways, it, it
0: spares no speaking time. Speaking of th- Speaking of things getting uncomfortable quickly, and we call that a segue. <laughs> uh
2: oh. Uh oh. Um, let's go to Piper's Pit, shall we? Oh jeez. I had absolutely no problem with
0: Piper's Pit. I have a problem with the way they made Ryback look tonight. And I don't mean the stuff in the ring with Rusev. Yeah, the fact that they put a bow on him. What kind of jackass came up with that decision? Piper probably, I had to guess. I've worked with him, man, trust me, he's a little wacky. (laughs) A little is a drastic understatement, but anyway, specifically referring to this year. We were talking about how Harper and Ziggler are doing their best to restore prestige and honor back towards the Intercontinental title. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the impending matchup, and it'll probably be for the U.S. title, will do anything at all for the U.S. title in regards to Rusev and Ryback? And What is your interest level in the match itself? My interest level is about a five right now, because I want to see where they go with the story. Right now, it's you know, the first part of the story, Ryback comes out, confronts Rusev, Rusev backs down. Second one is Ryback attacks him before his next match. And then third one is, you know, they finally get Rusev some contact. Ryback. What's that? Rusev attacked Ryback on SmackDown. Yeah, that's what I said. Or did I not Rusev say said that? Ryback attacked. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Ryback confronts Rusev, Rusev backs down. Rusev attacks Ryback before his next match. And then on tonight's show, they finally get a little contact. They finally get a little in-ring work. And I'll tell you what, that was one of the prettiest spine busters I've ever seen Ryback do, ever.
2: Like, well, just the way guess, he,
0: he, I'm sorry? I guess while we're cutting shoot from was here, maybe he wasn't trying to break anybody else's ribs. Oh boo. <laughs> no, I thought it was very well handled. I thought it was... I thought it looked great. Um, you know, he, he stalled it long enough. The timing was good and it just worked. Um, it, they didn't have to do a whole lot more than that. Uh, he wants to do the meat hook clothesline. Rusev, you know, runs away and that was that. I thought it was great. Did you notice that Ryback kind of slid when he stopped himself from delivering the meat hook? I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. I don't know if he meant to do that on like the carpet of the ring that was there for Piper's pit or not. But I didn't I think the, understand it. I I'm almost certain that the carpet from Piper's pit kind of threw him off a little bit. Yeah, I I didn't understand it. I just I watched and I said either he slipped or he meant to catch himself and just slid. But I don't. Honestly, I don't know if it was on purpose or not. It didn't look like it. But then again, you know Ryback could have made it look like he meant to. So who knows.
1: All right, I've
0: got to tell you. As, I'm sorry, as far as the, to answer your question in full, uh, as far as the U.S. title goes, like I said, the interest is a five. I want to see where the story goes. I don't think they're doing a bad job with the story right now between the two, but I'm not sold on it yet. But I don't think right now that it's helping the U.S. title at all, that an undefeated you know, monster of Rusev has the U.S. title and isn't really doing anything more with it. you think that he would, there would be more behind it, there would be a bigger to-do about it. Like, now everybody should want the U.S. title, because, you know, if you get the U.S. title, you're knocking off this undefeated guy, and it just seems like, oh, I got it, and I I got it, and I, I got it, and that's what it is. And I'm just there. Just as importantly here for me, and you mentioned the fact that I'm going after Rusev because he's in he's unbeaten just as importantly you think that a lot of guys I mean storyline wise would want to step up and defend the honor of their country as well with the fact that a non-citizen is holding the belt of the United States and I think one of the things that would have added a little bit more heat towards this towards this general program and especially in regards to Rusev having the US title is if the tease that Lana had done on Instagram with the European championship belt had actually occurred yeah no, no doubt there. Uh, I was actually... I actually assumed that, that that would have been what had happened by now, honestly. I thought that they're, they would have done... And I didn't say it before, but I had been talking about it for a while. I said to myself, man, you know what they'll probably end up doing is Lana and Rusev will turn the U.S. championship into a European or Soviet championship by the end of the new year and say, our New Year's resolution is to make sure that nobody takes our championship away from our country like we did to you guys. And I thought that's what they would end up doing. And they haven't done it yet, so I don't think that they will. But that was just like a random idea I had one day, and I never really followed through with it and talked about it on here. Do you think it's possible that the fact that she accidentally spilled it on Instagram right before the pay-per-view on Sunday night is what led to the decision to not use the European title? No, I I would say no to that only because I think WWE creative will hopefully you know put my faith back in the powers that be, hopefully have an idea of something else along the lines of that down the road. And, you know, if they didn't want to do it at the pay-per-view, then, you know, why bother doing it on a raw? Uh, I would assume that they would save that for a pay-per-view or something as a big event or a big to-do and go oh, you know, we took your title from your country, now we're changing your title and claiming it for our country, and, you know, you would just think they would save that for a pay-per-view where people would, you know, watch on the network, and it would just be a bigger to-do of me adding to the story and adding to the glamour of that particular pay-per-view. All right. and I can kind of understand that, but I, I honestly, I think that the segment itself would be an excellent Raw segment in order to build heat on reset as well, so... I mean, it, it it depends on how much time you're going to give them in order to establish this segment on a pay-per-view. And obviously, Rumble's not going to be the show to do it because they're going to be in a time crunch at Rumble due to the fact that they have the Rumble itself as well as the already announced Cena versus Lesnar match and the probable uh, Natalia versus Nikki Bella for the Divas title. On the, okay. that note, on that note, you're looking a little parched over there, Jimmy. I am. Right. Another one of Tony's dues. He's not here. He'll never know. Yeah, because he's not going to listen to this and then chew my ass out next week. Do three. So one thing that seemed to drive a lot of people crazy tonight, including myself, is that uh, the timing of a lot of things tonight on the show Seem to be misplaced as in the matches for example early on you know Rollins and Cena had their promo and then it went right into their match normally I don't think they would bother people if they didn't drag that out during the promo and they just would have got to it which I mentioned earlier in the show
1: Um, but
0: then after that you had two straight like three minute matches Uh, Fandango and Swagger uh-huh. And Adam Rose and our truth, and you say to yourself, you know, even though you don't really want to watch those particular matches for you know ten minutes at a time, you still want them not to be back to back, because if you're watching a show, uh, you're watching the show at home, you say, man, these two matches really weren't entertaining. They really didn't give us anything. Granted, Adam Rose's heel turn told a good story and made you kind of invest in that a little more. It, it, it's the timing. And by the time they got around to Big Show and Roman Reigns, people were chanting, boring, boring, or Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan. And it just it makes you wonder, do you, why not separate those two three-minute matches so that you're not killing the momentum of the show I mean, once Ziggler and Harper went on, that things picked up a little bit more, and the people were more into it and more excited, but before that, everybody was just angry about it, and I think they have to choose their spots a little better on Raw, in my opinion. I can kind of see where you're coming from in regards to the pacing of the show. I mean, we talked about this briefly on Facebook while we were talking about how we were going to go about the show and stuff, and... I mentioned that maybe you could have put that, uh, the Fandango and Swagger Max a little bit later on in the show to break up the spacing between, like, Piper's Pit and the, uh, the, uh, main event segment itself, although I think right. that's where the six Diva tag went. But, anyways, just spreading out these matches that, let's be honest, are piss break matches for the fans in the, uh, in the arena. And, Probably for the people at home, too, it's a chance for them to go get a snack, go go use the restroom, grab a pop, whatever they're going to do, uh, an adult beverage if you're Tony, what have you. Um, anyways, so I can understand where you're coming from as far as spacing that out, though. But I think the one thing that we can't complain about is the fact that even though they were kind of scrunched together the way that they were, there was a lot of wrestling on tonight's show, and I know one of my traditional complaints is I'm, I'm a wrestling fan. I'm not a sports entertainment fan. I watch for the matches. I watch for the athleticism. I watch for them to tell their stories inside of the ring and not on the microphone. So as somebody that's a fan of watching the actual wrestling that goes on during the course of the shows, a card like tonight is something that's right up my alley because it was loaded top to bottom with in-ring action. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. There was a lot of in ring action tonight it kinda of reminded me of a SmackDown and you know we we touched on that earlier and we talked about it before on Facebook between the two of us. But it reminded me a lot of the SmackDown show. It reminded me, you know, that of that just due to the amount of in ring action, there wasn't really a lot of promos being cut. There wasn't a lot of talking on the mic. There was a lot of just in ring wrestling. And it was fun, but for three hours you have to make sure that you break that stuff up. Correctly, or else you're going to lose your fans, you're going to lose their interest. And you know those people who paid tickets to go to that show or you don't want them going home and saying, "Man, I'm glad I wasted forty bucks on a ticket to watch two three minute matches at the beginning that were totally boring and they didn't even get TV time for their entrances. And it just goes to show that the timing needs to be right on a show in order for everything to flow correctly. All right, but at the same time, though, I would imagine that you're going to forget those three minute squash matches at the very start of the show by the time that you get to a Ziggler Harper and by the time that you get to what we're going to talk about next here Ambrose and Wyatt. Which, and you almost have to question that, though, don't you? Don't you want people to, you know, who watch your flagship show to be able to remember every part of it instead of going, oh, what was that one match? With who was in that one match, who was it? if you have somebody questioning that, obviously you're not doing your job right. Someone's not doing their job right, of keeping these people interested. Well, let's be entirely honest though. how many of these mid-carters do these fans honestly give a crap about? I
2: mean, this might I'm not be that arguing that. A lot
0: of people don't give a crap about them, but at the same time, how many of these mid-carters do fans honestly care about? I agree.
2: Alright, as I just said
0: there, the last let's talk about Raw, and let's get into it here because we are right up against it time-wise, is the main event, the Miracle 134th Street Fight, or as we fans have come to know it, the annual WWE Hokie Christmas Gimmick Match. But the thing is that made it stand out this year is that it's a feud that actually has some heat behind it, and that there is... There were weapons that made sense in the context of this feud as well. I stand by my statement. I got an actual honest-to-goodness chuckle out of Ambrose, pulling the TV out of the one gift, looking at it, and then putting it back inside of the box and being like, no, I know how that ended for me last time. Oh, yeah, that that definitely made me laugh. I like when he pulled the chair out early on in the match, too, out of the one gift. had a nice big bow on it. I was like, man, everybody's getting bows on everything tonight. Football, my presence come with bows. have to talk to the World fat as Champions people about that one.
2: I will. Uh, your,
0: overall, your overall thoughts on the match itself? The match was entertaining. The match was physical, as it always is between the two of them. You know, right at the bell, they began clobbering each other. The match is always physical between those two. I would like to see them switch up a few things and maybe not have gimmick matches. You know, they did the t l. c match and then they do this, and they did the boot camp match. There's a lot of weaponry going on between these two, and I would just like maybe a a nice regular one on one match to end it all, but I just don't want it to get stale is all I'm saying there um, but the match itself was very good. I gave it you know a seven out of ten easily. But the one, like I said, the one thing I'm always going to pull away from these two guys is they are physical. They do not hesitate to beat the hell out of each other. All right, it's ironic that you use the word stale to describe this because that is the exact way that Tony formatted it to me in the reaction sheet, and that was, is there, are they in danger of this matchup becoming stale? And I think that. I think that there's a part of the audience that's going to get burnt out on them constantly having these weapons matches and they're going to get desensitized to it and the fact that, oh, it's, it's Ambrose and Wyatt again. Oh, this time it's a ladder match. Oh, this time it's a chairs match. Oh, this time they're beating each other with a kitchen sink. I absolutely agree with that, and that's why I mentioned it just now. You don't want it to get stale, and they're pushing that it's becoming stale. It is starting to make you wonder... They are booking them a lot in these hardcore gimmick matches, street fights, uh, you know, Miracle on 34th Street fight match, the TLC match, the boot camp match at the Tribute to the Troop show, which I adore, but that's a whole other thing. Um, But it it just makes you wonder, is this all creative is willing to give to these guys? Are they afraid that they can't have a regular match on their own? And I think that... I think no, that ahead, somewhere fine. creative has. I think somewhere creative has to acknowledge the fact that these guys probably work better in gimmick matches. But at the same time, you can't be afraid to put them in one-on-one singles, regular singles matches in order to build up to these gimmick matches. Uh, it's Vince Russo theory. Gimmick matches mean nothing if there's no build behind them. Oh, well, I agree with that. Because Russo used to build use gimmick matches out the ass back when he was in WCW, and it was the reason that when these stipulation matches would happen in WCW, nobody gave a crap because they were constantly getting thrown out every week like it was nothing, hence the all the poll jokes in regards to Russo. Because every week there would be a something on a poll match on Nitro or Thunder or at the pay-per-view or what have you. Right. So you run in danger of overusing and overstipulating these two And then making people think that, oh, they're just garbage workers. They're just going to work matches where they have weapon shots with each other, and if they ever get into a match with an actual wrestler, a guy like a Seth Rollins, a guy like a Daniel Bryan when he returns, a guy like a, uh, you know, like a Dolph Ziggler, that they're going to be at some kind of a disadvantage. That they're going to be at a disadvantage because they won't have the availability to use the weaponry around them. Right. You pigeonhole people by constantly putting them in these hardcore, these street fight kind of matches. And it's a shame because both of these guys are very talented. They can work their way out of any match. I enjoy most of their work. And, you know, even from the indies, I've watched uh, Ambrose slash Moxley come up from, you know, I can't even remember how many places I've seen him, you know, just tear it apart. And it's just, you wonder why they keep doing it. You're going to make it stale. And you almost want to just scream at the top of your lungs, just a regular match. Let these two just have a regular match because any, any finish will do for them right now, which is the best part of their gimmick. Any finish will do. If one of them loses with a countout, they can play it off. If one of them loses with a disqualification, they can play it off because that's the way that these two work they're very psychological, not only physical, but very psychological. They can work around stuff like that and they can go, oh, I got counted out, but you know, I'm still in your head, or I'm still here I'm that gnat in your ear, and it will work for them. They just have to let it happen. Exactly. There's absolutely no point to be constantly blowing through gimmick matches, especially when they're not going to pop a rating. They're not going to sell any extra tickets at these live events, and they're not going to do anything but make the matches that they're going to have going further mean less and less, and eventually wear out the fans watching at home that are seeing these kind of matches on a weekly basis. Right. Do-do-do-do, do-do-do-do-do. Sorry, it's one of those songs that get stuck every time I hear it.
2: All right. Anyways, hey,
0: Jimmy C. Yes. What was your favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? It is hard not to say the Ziggler-Harper match, so I'm going to go with that. Those guys tore the roof off of that place, and they just they came to tear it apart like they always do. It's always fun watching those guys work, and they did not disappoint. I cannot disagree with you. It is... Absolutely. It's been happening for a while, but it's been a lot more obvious recently that we are seeing the rising of a star in Dolph Ziggler, and he's been proving it more and more and more over the course of the last couple weeks and months, and it's about time that he gets the recognition, because as Ziggler himself says, he's been too damn good for too damn long to have been in the spot that he was in. What is your least favorite part of tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw? You know, I touched on the timing and the placement in the show, but the one thing that stood out to me the most was just the waste of time that opening promo was for the show. And the reason I hated it the most was simply because it seemed to disregard Hogan as the host. Because when Hogan was out there, the people were all about it. Then Cena comes out, he starts demanding matches. Rollins comes out, he starts demanding the authority being brought back. And only once did they acknowledge Hogan after that. And it's just like, the man is there. That's Hogan. That's the guy everybody grew up with with the WWE. Let him speak. Come on, guys. He's there for a reason. And it just seemed like they completely disregarded him, and it was awful. Hey, Harry, what was your least favorite moment of the night? I think the scattershot of it all, especially for that first hour, like you said, the pacing, but it was the overall first hour pacing as well. That long promo to start the show and then into the back-to-back three-minute, well, I mean, I wouldn't call them squash matches because they weren't entirely squash matches, but three-minute mid-card matches that nobody's going to care about and nobody's going to remember. Whereas if you use that to take the time to tell the story further for Roman Reigns and the Big Show, to give the fans a reason to want to care about Reigns and Big Show even more than they already do, to take the time to do more than just the inset promos with these guys and actually have them tell their stories backstage. Also, there was a significant lack of Renee Young tonight, and that was very sad. (laughs) Yes, he was not there much. it's, It's the overall pacing of the show. Just... Especially that first hour, as we said, though, once they hit hour two, the show picked up and took off at Ziegler and Harper. uh your overall letter grade for tonight's episode of Raw, and just a brief explanation as to why well, because it started off so bad, but picked up in the middle and finished pretty good, I'm giving it the average C all right, that's fair enough um. My letter grade for the show is a B minus. And the reason I'm going to kick it a little bit above average is because of the fact that Harper and Ziegler had 15 minutes to tell their story and to make the Intercontinental title mean something again. Ryback and Rusev had 10 to 15 minutes in regards to Piper's pit to tell their story, to make their feud mean something, and possibly bring something back to the Intercont- to the U.S. title. Ambrose and Wyatt, although it's getting in danger of seeing it too often, because, again, as mentioned with... uh. As mentioned with Cena and Rollins, this is the third time in eight days so they kind of need to cool them. These guys facing each other facing each other in singles matches, they got the time to tell the story, and they even had a couple spots inside of the Ambrose and Wyatt match that played off of things that have already happened in their feud. And as a as, a, an, exer- as an observer who pays attention for the wrestling aspect, that's something that I appreciate them doing these little calls.
2: Um So I'm going to go with a B minus. You got anything else to add here, Jimmy C?
0: I hate that frickin' bunny. (laughs) Well, to make you feel any better, it looks like the bunny may be being euthanized soon. That's what I keep hoping. You know, Kane tombstones him twice. He keeps coming back. Adam Rose put him up against the barrier tonight. Hopefully he puts that frickin' bunny down. Me and JBL are on the same page there. Uh, I, not I know, not like that freaking bunny. I, I know this is your son's first Christmas. I wish you, the Mrs. and your son, nothing but the best for an enjoyable holiday season. Uh, I appreciate that very much, my friend. Uh, my name is Harry Broadhurst. He's Jimmy Christopher filling in for Tony and Sarah, who actually did call in so we said that he might. This has been the reaction for December 22nd. 2014. Our year-end reaction is next Monday, December 29th, and we'll let you guys know the result, results of the Yesies next week as well. Make sure you
2: vote. As mentioned, I'm Harry. He's Jimmy. We'll see you next Monday for the Yesy Awards
0: and the Go Home for 2014 for Monday Night Raw. Have a good night, everybody, and we'll catch you next Monday. This has been Happy the reaction. Happy holidays, everybody. On powerhouse radio.
2: do do, 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 do. There it is.
0: i got a quick question for you. What's up? The, uh, the song here, we're actually still recording right now because I've wanted to ask this for a while and I forgot to before. The song in the Raw theme right before they go into the Attitude theme with the lights like, and the ass uh, says, yours the beast, that one. Doesn't that sound a lot like Bret Hart's theme song? Not that I can hear it.
2: <laughs> it, just, it sounded like Bret's theme song to me. Uh, m- maybe, maybe I'm maybe i just listening too closely or m-
0: maybe I'm just trying to put things there because I like Brett's theme song. And not the remixed one, the original Brett theme song. Right. Oh, that pissed me off so much when they remixed Brett's theme when he came back. Yeah, I, did, I didn't really enjoy that either. I was always a fan of the original. Right. All right, man. That's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> I'll pay tribute to Tony here.
2: is bitches!